There was some drywall cracking on that song. All right, uh, Luke chapter 24, 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how God told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Let's pray together. God the Father, thank you that you make all things new. Thank you for the victory and power in your name. Thank you that you hold the keys over death, that by your might, Jesus was raised from the grave, paving the way for us to have new life with you. Thank you that you had a plan, that you made a way. Lord, we need you. We ask that you renew our hearts, minds, and lives for the days ahead. We pray for your refreshing over us. Thanks be to you, God, for your indescribable gift. To you be glory and honor on this Lord's day and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me share with you some recent headlines from the Wall Street Journal and Newsweek and Christianity Today. Millions have skipped church during the pandemic. Will they return? The decline in church attendance in COVID America. Why church will never be the same after 2020. Churches have changed and many aren't going back. What's next? Being the church in a post-pandemic world. Now, that's just a few headlines after a quick Google search. And I've read enough of these articles and have had enough conversations to know that for many people, uh, the past two years have, and, and I love this phrase, I found it in one of these articles, disrupted the inertia of their church-going velocity. And I think you know what he means by that. 
It's been my observation that the past two years have created an opportunity for people to push pause and rethink church. So people are asking questions like, why do I even need to go to church? Is church necessary? Does participation in church really add value to my life? And there are many other questions that you could add to this list. You know, during the past two years, I think because of my upbringing, uh, I've often thought of the verse in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. The Hebrew writer said, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. And the part of the verse that I have specifically thought about is the phrase, as some are in the habit of doing. It's that word habit that I think about a lot. I thought about it because the past two years has been long enough time for old habits to end and new habits to be formed. And so I think we find ourselves in this interesting season when people are asking important questions about the church and perhaps forming different habits. And so I've been prayerful and thoughtful in the last several weeks about what I want to preach this year. And I've been drawn to the book of Acts. And so I'm going to be preaching through Acts this year, and I'm very excited about this study. I think it's an opportune time for us to come to the book of Acts with our questions about church. And so uh, I'm not exactly sure how long uh, we'll be here. Um, It took me an entire year to get through six chapters of Ephesians, so... We'll get started here in the book of Acts, and we'll just sort of see what happens. But it's my hope, and it's my prayer for this, for this study, is for the Holy Spirit to use the book of Acts to cast for us a clear and distinct vision of the church, so that during this time when, when people have pushed pause, during this time when people are rethinking church, during this time when people are asking these really important questions about, about church, about, about their walk with the Lord, that we will be drawn into this 2,000-year-old movement found on the pages of this book called The Church. I want to begin uh, this morning by sharing with you an outline. And so if you guys will put that outline up on the wall behind me um, and just leave it up there for a while so that people get a good look at it. Um, This is from, I don't know how well you can read that or see it, but you get a general idea of it. But this is from a book that's titled Jesus and the Gospels. Uh, It's by Craig Blomberg. And it's the best thing that I have found to help me understand the structure of this two-volume work referred to as Luke-Acts. Because you can't begin a study of the book of Acts without first acknowledging that it's part of, uh, it's the second part of a very important work 
by Luke. Now, the connection between the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts can be easily overlooked. To use the language of one author, because they're not side by side in the canon, Acts can fall between the cracks, in between the four Gospels and Paul's letters. And so it can be forgotten in the mix. It can be overlooked. However, Luke, who was a companion of Paul, wrote one work with two volumes. And it's very important as we begin this study of the book of Acts to acknowledge that fact. So in the introduction to his gospel in Luke chapter 1, 1 through 4, Luke shares the purpose not just for his gospel but for his entire two-volume work. And here's what he shares. He shares that he has written an orderly account of the events handed down to him by eyewitnesses so that we may know the certainty of the things that we have been taught. Luke was writing his account sometime after the actual events had occurred. Most scholars date the composition of his combined work to around 80 to 90 A.D., so significant time has passed. The church was experiencing suffering. The church was going through persecution. The church was running up on hardship and difficulty. And so Luke creates a document with the purpose of bringing the church certainty The NLT reads, so you can be certain of the truth of everything. Eugene Peterson writes in the message, so you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt. So, during a time when difficulty was creating doubts about God, and when hardship was causing questions about the church, Luke writes this account to bring certainty. During a time when many things were uncertain, Luke wanted the church to be certain about these things. And it seems to me that the only way to be certain of something is to see it and hear it for ourselves or to have eyewitnesses tell us about it if we we weren't there. And that's exactly what Luke claims about his account. That's exactly what he does for us in Luke Acts, is based on eyewitness testimony. He gives us an orderly account of the events that occurred in order that we can have certainty about what has happened. You know, I I think that uh, the book of Acts has been, uh, it's been done a total disservice, if you will, by separating it. Um, from the Gospel of Luke, just in order to have the four Gospels grouped together in the New Testament canon. Um, Because if you believe that Luke acts as one work, that the two books are meant to be thought of as one, then the story that's presented in the Gospel of Luke is incomplete without the story presented in the book of Acts. You cannot tell the one story without the other story. They're equally important. And I think as we study the book of Acts, uh, we will see this to be very true. 
Now, it's widely agreed by biblical scholars that Luke designed this two-volume account in the form of an X, all right? So that's why I have this on the, on, on the screen for you. The structure of the X is formed by this geographical outline that you see on the screen. So the Gospel of Luke begins with the birth of Jesus in the context of world history and Roman rule in chapters 1 and 2. Then in chapters 3 through 9 are events almost exclusively from Jesus' ministry in Galilee. Next, the only geographical references found in chapters 10 through 17 place Jesus near Samaria. And lastly, beginning in chapter 18, we find Jesus traveling toward Jerusalem for the final time. Then in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we see a geographical outline for the book of Acts, and we discover that it's the same outline as the gospel of Luke, just in reverse order. The first seven chapters are about the church in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12, the events of the gospel move into Judea and Samaria. And then in chapters 13 through 28, the message of the gospel moves throughout the Gentile world as far as Rome. And at the center of the X is the heart of Luke's message. In a sense, if you think of Luke's writing as a treasure map, X marks the spot. And what we find at the center in Luke chapter 24 and in Acts chapter 1 are the accounts of the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. These two chapters, Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, they overlap one another. It's where the X crosses. Therefore, we find several connections between the two chapters, the biggest one being that both chapters narrate the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. In addition to this, there's an important conversation between Jesus and his disciples that takes place in both chapters. In Luke chapter 24, um, verse 48 and 49, uh, we see Jesus tell his disciples that you are going to be witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And then when we turn to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, he has a similar conversation with his disciples. And this conversation is a very important one. It's a connection between uh, Acts 20, uh, Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1. This, it's important to, to, to notice and to uh, realize this connection of the disciples receiving power from on high in order to be witnesses of these two events that they have seen. That's critical and that's key. And then a third important connection or overlap here at the X where the X crosses in these two chapters uh, is the appearance of two mysterious men. They appear onto the scene uh, in both chapters. We find them uh, in Luke 24 uh, and then also in Acts chapter 1, following the resurrection of Jesus and then again after his ascension into heaven. Now, in verse 23 of chapter 24 in Luke, these men are referred to as angels. And in both instances, these angels ask a question. Following the resurrection... The question is directed toward the women, 
And then following the ascension, the question is directed toward the disciples. Now, I preached twice this month, and we're going to look at the first question today and then the second question at the end of the month. But as we begin this study through the book of Acts, I wanted to start the study by looking at these two questions. And so I've titled my sermon this month, my, my two sermons, Two Men and Two Questions. And the first question is found in Luke chapter 24 and verse 5. Why do you look for the living among the dead? That's a very important question. Now, in order to hear the question, I want to put ourselves in the sandals of these women who were the very first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb. And not only were they the very first eyewitnesses, but Luke shares with us in this narrative in verse 9 that these women were also the very first evangelists. Verse 9 reads, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. Isn't that wonderful? Think about this. These women were the first ones to share the good news with someone else. The first ones to deliver the message of the empty tomb were these women. What an amazing honor and privilege for them. We need to remember their names. Mary Magdalene was there. Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. Joanna was with them. Her husband was a manager of King Herod's household. She traveled with Jesus, helped to financially support him and, and the disciples in, in their ministry. Mary, the mother of James, was there. She was a mother of one of the 12. So all three of these women were highly invested followers of Jesus. They had been at the cross. They had followed Joseph to the tomb. They saw how the body of Jesus was laid into the tomb. And then they returned on Sunday morning to pay their respects. That's how we might phrase it today. To perform the, the proper burial rituals with their prepared spices and perfumes. However, on that Sunday morning, the Gospel of Mark says that terror and amazement seize the women. The women are surprised. The women are shocked. The women are startled all, all at the same time. First, they're surprised by the empty tomb. Mark 16 and verse 3 tells us that on the way to the tomb, the women had asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb? They were concerned. They had, you know, they, they had prepared these spices. They were going. They just, they just hadn't thought that far ahead. Who, how's this going to happen? They had watched Joseph seal the tomb with the stone. But upon arrival, 
They find the stone rolled away. And if this were not enough, when they entered the tomb, they did not find the body. Can you imagine being in their sandals? Verse 4 reads literally in the Greek, they were utterly at a loss. So, first, they're surprised by the empty tomb. They're, at, they're just completely at a loss. Then, second, they're shocked by the angels. Luke tells us in verse 23 that while these women were standing there utterly at a loss, these two men, I, I love, I love how Luke describes it. These two men, these angels appear suddenly right beside them. Wearing dazzling clothes and gleaming like lightning. Talk about a heart attack, right? You're already, you're already at a loss. You're already, your head, your head's spinning. And then all of a sudden, right beside you, like lightning. Saw a little bit of lightning this morning on the way in. Like lightning right beside you, these angels arrive. And like everyone else who sees angels in the Bible, these women are terrified bow to the ground. And so they're shocked by the angels. They're surprised by the tomb. They're shocked by the angels. And then third, they're startled by this question. The angels ask the women a question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Such an important question. It's a question that helps these women, these disciples, to rethink everything. You know, it's just, it's so easy for us, I think, to simply go through the motions. To just, to just do what we've always done. And there are, there are times when we need a wake-up call. There are times when we need to be startled out of our stupor. And this question startles the women. And it serves as a wake-up call to them. Why do you look for the living among the dead? In other words, what are you doing in a cemetery? See, this question wakes them up. They were just going through the motions. They had not remembered all that he had said to them. And I want this question to serve as a wake-up call for us today. I want this question to startle us like it startled them. Here at the outset, 
at the beginning of this study of the book of Acts. We need to be re-surprised by the empty tomb. We need to be re-shocked by the appearance of the angels. And we need to be restartled by this question. You see, I, I don't want us, my, I'm not entering into this study of the book of Acts wanting us to read it like we always have. It'd be easy, just, it's, it'd be easy to sit down and just kind of go through the motions. We're pretty familiar with it. Just read it like we always have. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, I don't, I don't think any of us here look for Jesus among the dead. But do we really look for him among the living? You understand what I'm asking? The implication of the angel's question is that we're to look for Jesus among the living. Do we read the book of Acts like Jesus is really part of it? For that matter, do we function as a church today like Jesus is really part of this? Do we look for him among the living? We know not to look for him among the dead. But do we look for him among the living? You see, the book of Acts is the story of the early church. But the main character is not Peter. It's not Paul. The main character of the book of Acts is Jesus Christ. The main character of volume one is also the main character of volume two. One author suggests that a better title for the book of Acts instead of the Acts of the Apostles would be the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. I like that. See, the message of the Gospel of Luke is about the one who came and died. But that's only half the story. The message of the book of Acts is the second half of the story. It's about the one who now lives and reigns. And at the center of Luke's message, where the X marks the spot, is the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And these two events have changed everything. They form the lens in which Luke wants us to read the rest of his writings. It's the lens we're to read the gospel of Luke. The resurrection and the ascension gives the life and death of Jesus significance. 
And it's also the lens we're to read the book of Acts. The resurrection and the ascension gives the mission and the ministry of the church significance. So, the book of Acts. I really am excited about our study as we, that we're going to begin. I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit will reveal to us. I'm excited about looking at the book of Acts through the lens of the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm excited about looking for Jesus among the living. So during times of uncertainty caused by difficulty and hardship, be certain of these things. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. Jesus is not a distant memory. He's a present and powerful reality. And Jesus is not done. He's just getting started. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this this opportunity this year to get into this this book that has been preserved for us. Um, man, we're it's in this such a time of uncertainty and war and viruses and just all that's going on in our world. I'm, I'm thankful that this this work has been preserved that from long ago that was written to your church so that we may be certain about these things which we have been taught. And so, Lord, help us to be, be a people who look for Jesus among the living and who live in that way and who live as a people who follow the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So teach us. Open our hearts to it, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, uh, if there's anyone here who would like to respond to Jesus in any way, he has risen from the grave, and so he's alive today to offer you an invitation to join him, to put your sins in the past, to put your faith in him through baptism, and to join him, and all that he's doing and all that he has planned for his church today. And so if there's anybody here that would love to, to be a part of that, that would love to make that confession today, let's stand together and sing.